0: She was here this morning.
1: Testing, one, two, three. and all this.
0: their credit card, you get 10 more cents off every
2: for prayer. So we you just say hello to those who you this evening.
0: To give you glory, Lord We've come to praise you. Lift you, Lord
2: To remain remain standing, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Got quite a few requests we want to bring to you uh, this evening. Uh, Please be praying for Sister Laura Mae Skipper. Uh, I mentioned it to you this morning. She's in the hospital with a dislocated uh, shoulder, fractured elbow, Uh,
0: and uh, has to have surgery tomorrow. Um, And so there's some challenges, obviously, with all of that. Anytime you go under uh, anesthesia at, uh, at that age, and so. I want to pray for her, continue to pray for Bonnie um, as well. Uh, pray for Brother Dennis tonight. He was planning on being here tonight, but he his stomach has started to bother him a little bit. And uh, he's not sure if it's just a little stomach bug or just maybe something he ate, but he didn't really want to push it. So he uh, he's at home, but he said, please have the church pray for me. Uh, Sister Alma had to have some uh, uh, things done with uh, IVs and things like that when she had to be in the hospital. And it's got her arm kind of bruised up pretty good, black and blue very sore uh, and hurt. She asked for prayer uh, as well and uh, wanted to be remembered as well. Brother James, uh, we talked about on Wednesday night, he's been asking uh, for prayer uh, for the Lord to give him some, uh, some rest and some, some comfort and to be able to get some good rest at night and uh, some good sleep as well. And uh, we also want to pray for the services on Wednesday night. Brother and Sister Carlsey will be uh, leading uh, those services uh, while I'm at youth camp, uh, leaving uh, early in the morning. Uh, around six o'clock to head up to Malden. Um, so they'll be handling uh, those things. The building will be unlocked, but please pray for them as God gives them direction on how to uh, bring the message on Wednesday night in the fellowship hall uh, as well. And so we uh, want to make sure that we remember those together prayers. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are so great. You are so wonderful. You are, Lord, truly worthy of all our praise. And Lord, today, Lord, we know there's a lot of people that have some heavy hearts and have some needs.
2: Lord, people like Sister Lord May Skipper who has surgery that's impending in the morning. Lord, uh, Lord, facing from a dislocated shoulder and a uh, fractured uh, elbow. But Lord, we know that you are a surgeon. You are a great physician that can heal. Lord, we pray for Bonnie today who is still battling cancer. Lord, we pray for Brother Robert Chambers who's still needing a touch from his AFib uh, about in the hospital. And Lord, we pray, uh, Lord, for Brother James. Lord, you give him rest and you let him find peace and comfort. Lord, and late in the evening when he is having a hard time resting, Lord, we ask that you would continue to touch Sister Alma, Lord, who is uh, recovering from her recent uh, stint in the hospital with these IVs and, uh, Lord, the bruising and the, uh, Lord, tenderness, Lord, of the skin and the muscles that she is experiencing. Lord, we pray for, Lord, Brother Dennis, who's got, Lord, some stomach uh, uh, issues tonight, Lord, that he's just battling with. but Lord, we know that you are able to make him feel much, much better. And, uh, Lord, thank you that we thank you for Sister Dale being able to be in church this morning. But, Lord, we know she still needs a touch because there was probably a lot on those knees today. But we're just believing you're going to make, Lord, credit to that as her faithfulness, Lord. And you're going to touch her. Lord, we pray for the services on Wednesday night. Lord, with Brother Calls and Sister Calls as they are leading the people of God and Bible study, Lord, we pray for the services tonight, Lord, and I'm sure there are other needs that we don't know about, but Lord, we know you know all about them, even if we don't ask them, and Lord, you're able to meet those needs, and we're asking you to do that, in Jesus' mighty and precious name, and together, the people of God said, amen, amen, let's remain standing, and let's sing tonight an old praise chorus of the church, written in 1984. So it's four years older than I am. That
0: tells you it's old. So uh it's uh it simply says we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord.
1: For now we bring sacrifice of praise.
2: Father, Lord we do truly worship you we lift up holy hands we magnify your name and we worship you because God it is truly your presence that makes things so evident and so real in our lives God Lord we know that we have come to this house and gathered in your name to worship you but Lord we know ultimately God you inhabit the praises of your people and you long to be worshipped in spirit and in truth So, Father, today as we stand in your presence, we felt the sweet, sweet moving of your Holy Spirit in this place. God, we're asking right now that you would just make yourself ever so real and known to those of us in this house, but also those of us maybe watching online. Let it be known that God is in control. Every man be a liar, but God's word is true and it is still the living, breathing Word that can go and accomplish the task it is sent to do. And Father, Lord, we just love you. We glorify, we magnify the name of Jesus because there is no other name by which men must be saved but at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are God to the glory of God the Father. And for that we eternally give you the praise, the glory, and honor and are eternally grateful. Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And the people of God together said amen. 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 If you're able to be seated, you may be, do so at this time. On well, that soundboard back there, there should be at the top that says a thing that says stage, uh, I think stage playback or something. That'll be one. Once it hits it, it should turn yellow. If you'll take this headset down just a smidge uh, in the stage monitor there, not too much, but just a little bit, so
0: I don't blow anything up here out of the water,
2: well, 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 you know, I, uh, no, I always love, I love church, I'm just gonna be frank, I love church, I love going to church, I love being a part of church, I, uh, Growing up as a kid, if you have your Bibles, you can go back with me to the book of Zechariah. We're going to pick up the second part of a message that we preached uh, before Independence Day and all of the other holidays that kicked in on us. Zechariah chapter 13 is where we'll be tonight. But growing up as a kid, uh, in my day, I know that wasn't too, too terribly long ago, but it was long enough. Times have certainly changed. But Sunday night was our most exciting services as a kid. My dad's church, uh, both churches he pastored, both in the Lowcountry and then in the Midlands region, Sunday night was always the night that you always felt like you could just be yourself. In fact, most often times, Sunday night, we would be disappointed if the preacher did preach, not because we didn't think he was a good preacher, but we felt like it was a letdown because we were expecting something to happen in church. And that's not that we didn't want to hear the word; we we were not against the word of the Lord. We just we expected the Holy Spirit to do something. There were prayer meetings, there were prayer rooms throughout those buildings and things like that. I mean, I was a kid growing up. You know, I'm not one that's. I'm not going to stand up here and say I'm a sensationalist by trade, meaning I'm not looking for the Holy Spirit to move under every rock. I'm not not—I'm not one of those guys that you're going to run into Walmart and you pass me by the Walmart, and as soon as you pass by, I'm going to start speaking in tongues just because you went right beside me. I'm not that guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that will pray for you first. I might slap you in the face first, but I ain't going to speak in tongues first. I'm first going to make sure you're saved before I speak in tongues over you. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, You know, everybody has their, well, some things are emotional, some things are whatever, whatever. And growing up as a kid, especially my dad passed in the low country, I loved church because Sunday morning we had to be on our best behavior. Because you might have visitors come on Sunday morning. And God forbid, if the visitors showed up and we showed out, we'd freak them out. So everybody was a little more reserved, they were timid. I don't say they were bashful, but they kind of kept their their shouts kind of under wraps in their seat. Sunday night, all bets were off. If you were dumb enough to come on Sunday night, you was that was your own peril. You'd want to sign up for it. You came for it, so you just signed up. But we had one little lady that came to our church back then. Her name was Crystal. She was Southern Baptist to the core. She couldn't explain it. She didn't know what to call it. She she was raw. I mean, she was rawer than hamburger meat. She was raw Christian. And she didn't know what to say, It so when she would describe people at her work, about after two weeks of coming to church there, and seeing these services happen, she started going back to her job, trying to explain to her people what church was like. And she said, well, I was raised Baptist, but my husband was Pentecostal, and, and, and I, don't, I don't know how to explain it to you. Sunday mornings, it's, you know, it's a little bit louder than the Baptist church. I mean, they sing, but, you know, pastor preaches, and he's a little more vocal, he kind of yells from time to time. I I don't know if we've been bad or not, but he's yelling like we've been bad. And, uh, you know, but it it seems to work. People respond to him fussing at him. And she said, but Sunday night, I don't know how to explain it to you. It's like they just have a throwdown. And somebody at work said, what's the throwdown? I said, I can't explain it to you. All I know is they'll be singing, and people start running. People start screaming. People, and they said, well, do you go to like a cultist church? She said, no, no, it's real. I'm telling you. She said, people just be falling out all over the floor. People walking up there thinking they need to give them CPR, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, because they felt like they passed out. And people say, no, no, honey, they're okay. They're okay. She said, I can't explain it to you. But they're just going crazy in that building. But it's good. It's good. She kept coming to church there, and she always would. If we if we had a service that it wasn't a throwdown, she'd come out the back door, and she'd shake the pastor's hand, and she'd say, we didn't have a throwdown tonight. I guess I'll have to wait till next week. With such dejection, such dejection. She was excited for the moving of the Holy Spirit. She was raw. She loved to see the Spirit of God move. I remember my parents. I was a drug, ba- I was a drug addict, baby. I was drugged to church, I was drugged to revivals, I was drugged to tent revivals, I was drugged to other people's revivals that we weren't even hosting, but we had to support them because they might support us one day. I was drugged to those people. Some of them people I didn't even like. I was like talking to Miss Sheri this morning. She was talking about, you know, a situation, and she said, you know, somebody wants to say that I'm antisocial. She said it's not that I'm antisocial. I just don't like the people they invite. Think about that for a minute. That's a pretty profound statement. I thought I like that statement. It's not that I'm antisocial. I just don't like some people that came over. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not antisocial. I'm just not social with you. <laughs> That's a great idea. That's a wonderful way to look at it. I love that thought. Oh no, man, I can't wait to use that on somebody when they're like, "You just don't like me." I'd be like, "Well, at least you know I'm not antisocial." But uh, but I loved those services because my you know my parents would drag me, but it did not matter. It did not fail. You could go home and. Take a nap after church, or you go you know, watch. You know, for me, it was various baseball games on Sunday afternoons. I'd sit there and watch it. My dad's asleep. Then you get up and go study. My mom's doing whatever, cleaning kitchens or doing whatever. At about 4:30, 5 o'clock. Well, at that church, they had prayer meeting at 4:30 or at 5, at 5 o'clock. So about 4:15, 4:30, my mom would say, "Okay, go put your clothes on. We got to go." There was no que- There was no asking what I liked to go. Well, I could preach here, but I'll stop. I'll just keep going. There was no if you would like to go to church, you can. It was not a it was not a question. It was a statement. My mother didn't care my mother missed somewhere along life's way that people get rights before they're eighteen. My mother said I had the right to live in her house, and that's the only right I had at that moment, and as long as I was living in her house, I had the right to not vote. She voted. That was my rights. She said, now you do have a choice. You can smart back off and then you can get in trouble and I can wring your jaws and you still can do it my way. So you have the right to choose, but the choice is you're still getting in the car. That was my right to choose. She wouldn't make a good politician. She wouldn't have a lot of followers. But anyway, we'd get in the car, we'd go to church on Sunday night. there have been many a nights, Miss Almond, that church would be late. I'd be asleep on a pew somewhere. Four, five, six years old have my feet on people like Bill and Wanda Sylvester's laps. People like uh, Emmeline and Lincoln Freeman's coat jackets. I'd be sitting at the end of a pew for people like Bill and Mae Jones, some of them who have gone on to be with the Lord. I'd lay there. I'd fall asleep, but I was in church. Yeah, I had to get up and go to school the next day. I didn't get that free pass. I wasn't homeschooled. Nothing against homeschoolers. My wife was homeschooled. Nothing against them. Sometimes they're smarter than the rest of us, but I, didn't, I still had to get up and go to school at 7 o'clock in the morning, but to my parents, church was more important than anything else I did that week. Nothing else mattered. And when I'd get up on Monday morning and be like, oh, I'm so tired, I'm so tired, my mom said, okay, we ain't going to ball practice tonight, that way you can have plenty of time to sleep for them school tomorrow. Then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? I feel good, mom. That's great. Let's go to school know why because the sports was the out op- was the option not god it wasn't sports or family or friends or whatever and then god just fits in somewhere else it was god and then everybody else had to fit in after god and if it didn't fit they got they got you know they got knocked off the list if you will but god never got taken off the list Problem is we live in a day in a society where God's now some here down here on the list and everything else is up here and it's out of balance. God should be on the list and if nothing else fits, well so be it. Sorry that you didn't get to play ball on Sunday. Sorry you didn't get to go to your friend's Blake house on Sunday. Sorry you didn't get to ride the boat. Sorry, it's Sunday. We're going to church. Get in the car. You can go next week and but long as you're back by Saturday. But come Sunday you'll behind better be on a pew in church. My mother even was got so brassy, when I'd go off with friends, she'd say, I expect you to be at church in the morning, even if I spent the night somewhere. And she'd say, if you're not, just know when you come home, the keys that you had drove the, the car to, the, with the keys to the car that you drove with, just know when you walk in the house, i pay that insurance. So it's my car. So you hand me those keys. You better ask your friend every time to pick you up. You also better ask him to give you lunch money this week because I also buy you a lunch. You better ask him, can he feed you dinner this week because I also provide And you better ask him, can he buy you clothes because you're going to go naked to school tomorrow because those are my clothes because you don't have a job. And so you better hope they got clothes that you can borrow. And by the time she got all said and done, I said, Mom, I'll see you at 10 a.m. I didn't want to go around naked. You know? Now I hear people you know, all the time talk about church. And it's going to tie into this message. And I'm going to bring it home here in just a second to you. It's not just that our local church, when I say this, when I start talking about the church here in a minute, I'm not talking about a physical property on this house, this foundation. I'm talking universal. I'm talking universal Church of God. I'm talking universal Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal, you name it. If they even remotely say Jesus twice in service, we're calling them a part of that You know, at this moment. We're just lumping church universally. Lots of people don't mind going on Sunday morning because it makes them feel good. It makes them feel like they did something. For some people, even maybe some people, it's a sacrifice. But overall, most people going to church on Sunday morning is really not that big of a deal. They get down, they'll go, they'll have the boat on the back, or they'll have this or whatever. Or they, you know, they'll go. And I'm not talking about people missing hit or miss on Sunday night. But I believe that somehow we have made church so convenient that people have lost the desire to come to the house of God you can see it online you can watch it on TV thank God for the people who need that like Sister Laura May and others and Bonnie and others who can't go to church but there are well-abled people who could go to church but they use that as an excuse because it's just comfortable I'll give you an example again I'm not picking so don't get mad 51 people were in this house this morning Look how many of them are physically able. They could have came back tonight if they'd have wanted to. But they're not here. Some of them sat by you this morning in church. Some of them were in your Sunday school classes. They had no excuse. There's no reason they couldn't come. They chose not to come. Oh, I'll watch it online. You know as well as I do. You might watch it, but you're washing dishes. You ain't paying attention. You're not sitting there the whole time. Or if you do watch it, you're going to watch a clip of it, and you're going to be distracted, and you're not going to really get the same effect as being in the house of God. And my heart for the last few months has been uh, burdened for the church, not here, but universal, about getting people to reshape their focus. We've missed it. Our priorities are off. God gave us, if I, if you call it in my words, God gave us a global reset through the last two and a half years. It was like God hit the reset button. You got to be out of church, fix what you need to fix. We're coming back stronger. Let's do this thing. And some churches, I think, bombed. They failed. They, they missed the moment. They let, they, they missed it. Still, am missing it. My heart started thinking in two weeks. Well, excuse me, not two weeks, three weeks. Sorry, my calendar is just right now three weeks, I'm going to fly out, oh, 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 two weeks from Friday, actually, but three weeks total, but two weeks from t- this Friday coming up, I'll fly out on an airplane out of Charleston International Airport, and I'll land around midnight that Friday night in San Antonio, Texas, starting that Monday, after a registration and things like that, on Tuesday morning, I'll sit in C-SPAN for church. <laughs> We'll be arguing and fussing and fighting and grumbling and trying to read Robert's Rule of Order like we're reading a novel. We're going, to be quote, we're going to be using words we don't even know what they even mean, how to spell them. We Googled them and just found the synonym of it so we sounded more educated when we went to the little mic podium so the general overseer would think we're really smart and use words like, that's not germane to this topic. We don't know who Jermaine is. He's somewhere else in his church. Don't tell us who Jermaine is. Just tell us you don't know what you're talking about. We don't care what Jermaine said point to be made is we'll sit there and you'll be shocked how much grown men and women argue I mean argue over things that we shouldn't even be arguing about arguing over you know in this assembly this year we have items in the agenda like we're having to vote and taking a declarational stand putting it in bylaws, putting it in articles of, of, of faith, we're having to vote on not using feminine pronouns to describe God. We're having to vote on that because some in our denomination says God is gender neutral and so she would apply if you wanted to say instead of he, you could say she is the savior of the world. We're voting on that because we got churches that are doing that. We have to do that. Voting on how to handle transgender situations if they walk in the church and say they need to go to the bathroom but they don't identify what are you going to do? What are you going to do? We're having to evoke that. We're having to actually make sure we have some kind of covering for that. We're going back with other topics and they're back and forth. Things that sometimes you think, why in the world are we talking about these things? You know why? It's because the church is in trouble, the world's in trouble, but the church ain't doing much better, (laughs) Madison if you'll throw my title to the sermon up here, we'll we'll go back to reading it, but if you'll throw my title slide, I started a message a couple weeks ago, and I I believe that it is so true, if we really get it, if you will go to the title slide, not the the scriptures, it should be uh, the four R's, I truly believe, should be right after those scriptures, I truly believe we are in a day and hour, the church needs a true revival again, Revival is not for the sinner because you can't revive something that ain't never been alive. If it's never been alive, then it's called living. If it ever, you know, the baby comes out, it's not revived until it first is living. Then if it codes, they revive it. You don't revive something that's never been living. You have to revive something that's lived at least one time or something in time. The church is dying. You say, oh, pastor, how can you be so negative, Nancy? Oh, yeah, God's going to have a remnant. I get all that. I've read the same book you did. But a lot of church... I'm not talking about physical premises, but universal churches, denominations, people that are splitting. We talked about the Drag Me Back Church Sunday a couple of weeks ago uh, with the other church. There's a lot of denominations ordaining and, and allowing openly homosexual people serve as pastors and priests in their fa- in their in their church organizations and leadership positions. The church is sick and dying. We better get revival or we're in trouble. We're in trouble. I want you to look Zechariah 13 verse 7. Awake, sword, against my shepherd and against my man, my associate declares the Lord. When you strike the shepherd, when you strike the man of God, when you strike him, the sheep will start getting lost. They'll they'll disperse. Boy, I wish I could stand up here to tell you that churches are just we're just thriving in in the world. Yeah, you'll hear it. We'll hear Brandon out here, and we go to General Assembly. They'll tell us about how many. We've had 1 million people get saved in world missions. Praise the Lord for that. We're now at you know, 3.5 million or 7.8 or 8.7 million members worldwide. Praise the Lord for that. But they don't ever tell us how many churches split over the last year. They tell us how many people got saved in world missions. Thank God for that. Don't miss what the preacher's telling you. Thank God for the million people that we help send the gospel around the world. Praise God. That, praise God for the You know, umpteen thousand people that joined the fellowship of the church of my God, glory to the Lamb, the church of God is right, hallelujah, you know, we sing all those songs. Praise God for that. Now we're 8.7 million members worldwide, praise the Lord, one of the largest Pentecostal-influenced churches in the world. They never, Sister Alamo, not one time have they ever put a list of churches and say, now these are how many churches split
0: over the last year.
2: This is how many members we lost worldwide not through death but because we didn't have our act together how many churches split how many young Christians went away and got scattered how many people had attacked pastors or attacked ministers or even got disgruntled within the church they never tell us how many of our own sheep scattered what happened to those that's great we reach in the world what about the ones we just dispersed out of the church last Sunday what about the up and starts reading you know it Mike stand number five about how we need to do this and we need to do that but he just ran off a hundred people out of his church because he didn't use wisdom and decorum what happened to him what happened to the guy that resigned his post because the church went nuts on him and so he resigned and half the church followed him the church, planet church and the other half just got out of church and we got a mess on our hands what happened to them Jesus said, I can have 99 in the pen. But if one of them gets lost somewhere, i got to go find him and get him home too. It's great to reach the world. What about the ones that were in our church we lost? Their souls are just as important to God. He said, I'll turn my hand against the little ones. So I want to talk here about this four hours. You can go back and read all of Zechariah 13. I started talking to you a couple weeks ago about this time period of Zechariah's life. May the Lord have the blessing of the reading of his word tonight. But I talked to you about Zechariah's reign taking place at a time of a guy by the name of Darius the Great. He was also a contemporary of the prophet Haggai. And I'm not going to recap. You can go back and look on the website June 26, 2022. Uh, part 1 of this message, I gave you all the background, biographical information, the location. I, I told you all about 583 B.C., the famous Edict of Cyrus taking place and them getting to come back to the homeland. And you can go back and do all of that. I started talking that same night about how Jehoshaphat in 2 Kings chapter 23, and again you can go... Uh, excuse me, King jo- uh, Josiah in 2nd Kings chapter 23 I talked to you about how when he came to power that the nation of Israel was in a mess and so he reinstituted some things. He cut down the bells and he cut down the astral poles and he knocked down all the altars and he instituted Passover again. 2nd Kings 23 talks about all these reforms that he did because he realized the church was sick and was in trouble. And he said, look, we're doing it all wrong. The reason God's not blessing us, the reason things are not going well, is because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. I started thinking about that. I wonder if the reason a lot of churches are struggling is because they're not doing what God told them to do. They're doing it their way. You know, I brought it to your attention the other week, and I'll say it again just because, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit froggy. I always like saying things and getting in trouble. I do it at home all the time. Don't think you're special. I do it at home, too. I get in trouble saying things that I think at home and get in trouble for it, too. So it's 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 not just here. I haven't got that filter nailed down yet. I'm working on it. My filter is not trapping everything it's supposed to trap. Yeah, it's great that Brother Bobby's church, I don't even know who Brother Bobby is. So if you know Brother Pastor Bobby, please don't think I'm talking about your Bobby. I don't know who's Bobby. Okay, your Bobby, my Bobby may not be the same Bobby. We might be bobbing for different apples. I don't know who's Bobby's who. You might have Bobby Pence. I may have Bobby Jones. I don't know. But Pastor Bobby might look like he's got a church thriving, doing great, got track lighting, Ain't nothing wrong with that if it's used properly. Ain't nothing wrong with that. My church, the church I served at in Orangeburg, we had lighting there. We had up lighting on the back wall to give a little bit of color. We were in a disco ball. You can go back. You can look right now. Columbia Road Church of God on Facebook right now. They had the same lights that we installed. looks very nice, very decorative, just a little bit of splash of color. We changed the back wall to red, white, and blue just a little bit. But we had still traditional chandeliers. We still had traditional lights. We didn't turn the lights off. You didn't have to smile in the dark for us to find where you're located because your pearly whites were the only thing we were going to see that we didn't have to do any of that. But we had all that stuff. You can have lights. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But Pastor Bobby's church has got lights. He's got a killer, I mean a killer band. I mean, man. Man, Brother Larry and Brother Tyler are jam up. But old Brother Bobby's got a professional drummer that used to play back in the day. Pastor Bobby's got the bass player from ZZ Top converted. And B.B. King's his electric guitar player. He's got Kenny G playing his saxophone every Sunday. If he's really saved, he might even be as good as Phil Driscoll. He's got the band. He's got it all. Looks good. Sounds good. Problem is, a lot of churches do have that. But the reason they have that on that stage is because they don't preach conviction to the people standing on their stage. Because they'll let Kenny G sit on the stage. They'll let B.B. King sit on the stage. They'll let the lead singer or the lead bass guitar player for ZZ Top. They'll let them, as long as they are willing to just come and make me look good, I'm not going to preach on where they're living. But you can get quiet all you want to, but I'm telling you the truth whether you want to hear it or not. A lot of people are more concerned in the church today about their image than the people's relationship with Jesus Christ. They're more concerned about how good we look, how awesome we sound, how professional our band sounds, how professional our singers sound. Oh, we look good, but we're going to hell in a handbasket because we ain't preaching where they're living. We'll put them in leadership. No, it. They're living in sin. I'm going to tell you right now, I quit. I will quit this church before I ever let that stand on this pulpit. I'm just telling you that right now. You have my resignation. I'll hand you the keys tonight. If you ever say, well, they're so good and they're so talented," If they're not going to live right, they're not going to stand on this stage either. Yeah, that's right. Amen. I'm not saying they don't have hiccups. I'm not saying they don't sin. I'm not saying they don't fall. Everybody falls from time to time. None of us are perfect. No, not one. But if they are continually to live in rebellion, I am not going to condone that behavior in God's house. Period. None. None. My wife has a good job. If you have to, she'll cover me until I get another one. But I'm not standing before God saying, Well, God, we look good, but I didn't preach it or I didn't tell it. Josiah realized the only way he was going to get the nation back right is he had to remove some of the things in the house that weren't right. Sometimes God has to come by our door, our door, uh, our door friends of our house and knock on the door and say, Hey, I need to come in. We got to do some cleaning. It's spring cleaning time. We got some cleaning to do because there's some junk got to get out of that closet. There's some junk we sprinkled and we're having a yard sale. My wife just had a yard sale yesterday. I was so excited she took half of the junk out of the house and sold it. Only problem is nobody bought it. So we had to take it to goodwill. I had to do it twice. But thank God it's not in my house. I don't care what goodwill it is. They can burn it tomorrow, but it ain't in my house. Praise the Lamb. I was excited about that. Some of y'all got closets just like them. But there's also, spiritually speaking, there's a lot of people that's got some junk in their houses, their spiritual temples, their spiritual bodies of worship, their spiritual houses, that they need the Holy Spirit to come in and say, hey, we got to have a cleaning day. Yeah. Today's spring cleaning. I read it to you in Malachi. I'll go ahead and read it again for you. Let me go ahead and pull it up. It says, who can endure the day of His coming, and who can stand before the day when He appears? For He is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. He will sit as the smelter and purifier of silver, and He will purify the sons of Levi, refine them as gold and silver, so they may be presented unto the Lord in righteousness. Sometimes we have got to let God clean out some things in our lives. Get rid of it. Clean it out. The problem is we're living in a world today reason churches are the way they are is because we're condoning the stuff they're doing. We live in a day when the preacher gets up there and starts preaching on sin. That's when we start threatening to leave to go to the church across town. Well, if he's going to browbeat me and he's going to Bible thump me and he's gonna to talk to me like that, and he's gonna yell, yeah, he's gonna scream, he's gonna be passionate, he's gonna start to to telling me all the things I'm doing. He's gonna start talking and reading my mail and getting up into my skeleton closets. Well, there's five churches around the geographic. I'm gonna start visiting some of them because I hear they don't make you feel bad when they come to church. I hear that, that preacher don't ever say anything. He always tells you how good life's gonna be, and how great the Lord is and how wonderful his mercy and grace is. Yes, God is a God of grace and mercy, but God is also a judge. He He's also a lawgiver, and sometimes He's the executioner. He might give grace, but He also sentences things too. He, You know, people, I've heard it so many times, if he's gonna, I've, I've been in places, well, if they're going to preach like that, I'm going to another church. I ain't into that. Well, honey, you don't have to be into it, but you wish to God one day you would have been into it when you stand before God. You'll pray to God one day, oh I wish I could go back, you'll be like that rich young ruler in the depths of hell, you'll pray to God, God just give me another chance, you would have wished to God you'd have stayed longer and listened, I'm not saying, listen, I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, most of my family were, if you use a proverbial term, they were old school, they had more beehives than people have in a whole bee city, I'm telling you right now, most of my family had more hives than bee city has in Cottageville, They had more bobby pins than Walmart sales wrapped up in their hair. They'd shout them out. They'd look like Robin Hood's band of merry men. They'd be shooting out of those things on Sunday night services. You better hope you're in the spirit, or if not, you better be ducking because they things are flying towards you. They will impale you at that rate of speed. I've seen plenty of services like that. I ain't done nothing wrong with traditional. I have nothing wrong with old school mentalities. I have nothing wrong. I also am the. uh, not born. I was born at night, but not last night. I also understand sometimes there has to be slight changes There might have to be we add this we may have to let the youth have this outing or We may have to do some of this or we may have to do that to draw them in and we may have to You know have the drum sitting over here rather than over here We may have to move the piano to the center over here We might have to do things, but I can tell you there might be subtle changes There might be changes that have to be made there might be methodologies that have to be made But the Word of God does not have to be changed. It does not have to be compromised And it does not have to be somehow turned around so that we can reach masses. The word of God is forever settled. Not one dot, not one tittle will pass away. But my word shall remain. That should never be compromised no matter what else happens in the room. So what if they sing, you know, this little light of mine? So what if they sing, I raise a hallelujah? So what? if they sing you know songs that I may not know But I'm telling you, no matter who the preacher is, and I don't care if he's wearing, no offense, I could care less if he's wearing blue jeans, and he's wearing a sports coat, and he's wearing Air Jordans, but he better know how to preach the word. I don't care what his outward appearance is, but he better not try to change this gospel to make everybody out there feel better. Whether you're in a suit and tie, you can be going to hell in a suit and tie, and you can go to heaven in blue jeans, but you better not compromise the word of the living God, no matter when you share it with those around you. Jew. He had to remove rebellion. But then it got worse. They didn't listen. He tells them in Zechariah, he continues to tell them, he said there's going to be two-thirds they are going to fall away. We're going to just lose them. You can go back and read it. I believe it's around verse number 8. He said two parts of the land shall be cut off and die." One-third will be left in the world. He's talking about the spirituality of the church and talking about the nation of Israel. He said two-thirds are going to be wiped out. Like that. One-third will be left as a remnant. Only 33% will stay true. 66% will have a great falling away, but only 33% will stay true to my name. But he recognized something. There is a redemption even for people that have sinned, there is a redemption if they're willing to come back to the Father. Just because you screwed it up doesn't mean God has thrown away the clay. There's an old song, it's an old Southern gospel song says, He did not throw the clay away. He molds me. And makes me. informs forms me into what I am today. I'm so glad that he did not throw the clay away. Just like Jeremiah and Jeremiah 18 said at that potter's wheel. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't the best. But the potter never threw the clay away. He just made it into a different vessel. Can I tell you, like I said this morning. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. doesn't matter what your children may be doing. What your grandchildren may be doing. No matter how long of a laundry list, if you will. Of sins they've ever occurred or procured doesn't matter how bad they are if they ever fall down anywhere whether it's in a Walmart parking lot in a closet or at a church altar if they ever come and say even so Jesus come into my heart be like that fuller soap and wash me clean it doesn't matter how long the list is God will save them in that moment he'll save them it may not look like it right now but if they ever say no matter where oh God I need you. I am wrong. You are God forgive me it doesn't have to be a long theological prayer even the ones that have revolted against this gospel message even people that have been in our churches and have traveled this land and once were saved but now have turned their back on God now I don't believe in the God we serve that used to sit on pews even like in this church but now are nowhere to be found because they're lost and, and they've, they've got dispersed if you will by the cares of life if they ever come back whether in this building or in their home somewhere or on the back side of a desert if they ever say even now Lord, I need you. God will wipe away everything they've ever done. He'll wipe it away. Israel had this cycle that they were in. We we find at first this cyclical pattern in the book of Judges. Israel had this big cycle in their history. They always followed. They'd start out serving God, and then times would get good, and they thought, you know. I don't think I need God after all I'm good and then they would start looking at all the other nations around them their God looks pretty cool too hey that guy's God looks pretty good
0: too man that prosperity gospel that preachers preaching on that side of town looks pretty good
2: too man that church over there they got good music that pastor he's the cool he's a cool guy in town Man, he wears all the latest and greatest clothes He's got the hippest shoes. I mean, he's, man, he's a, he's a fashionable guy. He looks good. I mean, he's fashionable. Man, they got the nice building. They got the retro feel. They got all the lights, man. That's like going to a concert, man. They got big subwoofers. I mean, man, man, I play, man, I go, boy, I just, it's like, whoo. I just, I don't know, man. It's diff different. I like that, man. You know, Israel would start following and seeing what everybody else was doing. You start following what everybody else is doing, that's when you get yourself in trouble because God don't need you to follow everybody. He needs you to follow him. There's a distinct difference between following a man and following God. God said, when the fire moves, pack your bags, pick up your tent, let's get to walking because the fire is moving. When the cloud is moving, pack up your bags, pick up your tent, let's get on the road, we're walking again. When the fire stops, the cloud stops, sit down, keep your mouth shut, and just stay there until I tell you further instructions. When I move again, pick up your tent, grab your bags, let's go. God doesn't need you to follow Moses, he needs you to follow the fire and the cloud. 'Cause Moses will beat his staff on a rock and miss the Promised Land, but if you follow the fire, the fire and the cloud, you'll go into the Promised Land. Come on, somebody. Yes. Oh, you follow Moses all you want to, but most of the guy, most of the time, the Moses of your lives that you're following, they might take you to the edge of the Promised Land, but they're not the one that promised you the Promised Land. They can get you to the edge, they can get you to the break of a miracle, they can get you to the break of the troubled waters, but you got to go in with God to get your miracle preachers and evangelists and all of us guys we can lead you to the water we can encourage you, we can ask you to pray we can ask you to do all, we we can be like Moses, we can bring you to the threshold of glory, to the threshold of the miracle, but we can't get it for you you have to get it Moses is a good guy one mistake, talk to the rock don't hit the rock, hit the rock what God say, you can see it but you ain't going in You can come to the edge. You can see what could have been yours, but what you lost because you disobeyed. What I want you to know is Moses led over a million plus people through the promised land Brought them through, brought them to through the through the, tri- the trials, if you will, of Egypt. Brought them through, got them, if you will, into the promise to the to the wilderness. He helped navigate them through the wilderness. I mean, what a good pastor! I mean, let's think about Brother Moses. What a good guy! He lived with them in the desert. He sweated. They didn't have air conditioning. It was miserably hot. He didn't complain. He said they complain, God, just let me die. They're annoying. Is all well. get out. But Pastor Moses, all oh, he led them fearlessly. He He took them, he took them, he took them, but he got them right to the edge of the promised land. He let spies go in, bring back clusters of grapes on big vines to tell them how awesome God was and how amazing God was and everything was going great until he hit the rock. Because Moses got frustrated with the people, he let the frustrations of people cost him his breakthrough. Because he was annoyed with the church. Because he was annoyed with the people of God. Because he got frustrated. You know what he did? He didn't go to the promised land because he was worried about the rock. He was annoyed. He was mad. He was frustrated by the cares of life. And he smote the rock. Because of the annoyance of the people around him. And they cost him his promised land. Oh, yeah, he got to see it. But it ain't the same. Seeing Canaan is not the same as living in Canaan. It ain't the same. Joshua and Caleb... They come back with the other ten guys. Ten of them says, we can't do it. They off We can't go. We can't do this. We, we, ooh, they big boys. We can't do that. You know what happens? God let the ten boys who said, we can't do this, die, so they didn't have to do it. <laughs> Isn't God so loving? Isn't he so nice? Well, you can't do it. All right. Well, I won't put you through it. We'll kill you out here. <laughs> Thank you, God. Doesn't that sound, don't you, say, don't you just next time when you're praying and you just feel like it's insurmountable, don't you just want to tell God, God, I don't think I can do it and hope that he don't kill you in the process? God, I don't think I can go through this valley. Alright, well I'll just go ahead and kill you now. We'll stop that and we'll just go let somebody else go through the valley. Good night. Here you go. I'll see you in the morning. Literally, I'll see you in the morning because you're coming. Bingo. Your turn. You're coming to heaven. I mean, he wiped him out. You can read it any way you want to. He wiped them out in the desert. Said, y'all gonna wonder. Nobody 20 years and older is going in. Y'all going down now. Isn't it funny that 10 guys come back with a report and they were able to shape millions of people? Think about it. 10 guys got to see the grapes, the mandarin oranges, and the apples, and the pears, and the rivers, and the fertile grounds. They come back, and over a million people said, We're gonna go with the majority. We're gonna go with those guys. They're pretty smart. You better be careful who you follow because they may lead you to your demise. Just because everybody that says they're a preacher, everybody that says they're a teacher, shoot, everybody that says they're for the church and on the church council, you better know who you know who you believe in because some people will lead you astray. I have been in churches. Thank God it ain't here. But I have been in churches. Not everybody that was on the pastoral council was after the best for the church. They were after what was best for them and didn't care what happened to the rest of the church. They spoke for the church. But it wasn't because they had the best interest of the church. They had their own interest at heart. I could preach that, but I'm going to go on and move home. I feel oh, Huddle House is calling. I'm going to go that way. What happens? Moses and them come back. Joshua and Caleb. Everybody knows the story, Brother James. Joshua and Caleb said, what's wrong with y'all? God, God already said it was ours. It doesn't matter if they're 25 feet tall in the air. It 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 doesn't matter if they walk on stilts and it looks like they're professional stilt walkers. It doesn't matter if they can swing swords and juggle. God already said it belonged to us. What does it matter? God already promised it. You know what they said? Nah, we can't do that. We can't do it. That's why I tell you, you better be careful who you follow. You can follow the preacher all you want to. But He's only going to get you to the edge of the breakthrough. The edge of the miracle. The edge of your moment. He's going to get you to where the waters are troubled. But He can't push you in the water. You've got to get in the water yourself. You can be to the edge. But if you're waiting for the preacher to do it for you, you're going to die in the wilderness right at the brink of your promised land. Because you followed a man, not the cloud and the fire. The cloud represent the protection of God. It gave them shelter from the desert heat. It gave them basically, it's amazing how you can be in a desert. Brent and I were there uh, just this past uh, year in in March when we were up there and we went to some of the different parks up there that was very desertous. It was amazing. When the sun's out, the temperature's one thing, but if there ever came cloud cover, how quickly the temperature like that dropped in the desert. I mean, it was like almost instantly. You were like, whoa, I should have brought a jacket that quick because of the cloud cover. But the Lord also provided them fire, which represented the the importance of the Holy Spirit burning in our lives. And at night, the desert can get so brutally cold, you can die. But God provided them with warmth, fire. But He also told them, you always got to be ready. When the fire moves and the cloud moves, you move. See, we all have at some point in our lives have been drawn away by the things of this life. You see what Israel would do? They would follow the everybody else's pattern of behavior. Then they would get enslaved. Philistines, Amalekites, Amalekites, Jebusites, you know, Ammon, you know, the Ammonites, whoever they would come and they would be, they would overtake the nation of Israel and Israel would become enslaved. You know what Israel would do then? Oh God, we're so sorry. Oh God, we're so sorry. God would be merciful. He'd send them a judge, he'd send him a redeemer, he'd send them a Moses, he'd send them somebody. Bring him out. During that season of time, the church was doing great. Woo, praise Jesus. And then you know what happened after so long? They'd start looking at what everybody else is doing again.
0: <laughs> I like what they're doing. So they'd follow that fire for a while.
2: Can I tell you that everything that burns
0: ain't God's fire? Because the Bible tells us that some people offer up strange fire. It ain't God's fire.
2: You better know the differentiation from the fire that's in the Holy of Holies than the fire that's unholy and will cost you your life. Because the Bible said that when the two priests went in to offer up the the incense and they burnt false fire or what they call strange fire in the presence of the Lord, they dropped dead in His presence because they offered the wrong fire. Just because it's fire doesn't mean it's a holy fire or a purified fire. Sometimes the fire of God, yeah, that's the purifying fire. That's the one that refines us with the, 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 like silver and gold, but just because something in town looks like it's burning, it might be a smoke screen and you going down with the flame. Some people use smoke and mirrors, not authentication, not authentic fire from God. There's a lot of churches know how to do smoke mirrors, make you think it's fire. But it ain't the fire that you want to be attached to. Because when it blows up, you going down in the flames. See, we have to remember God redeems even those that are revolted. Ms. Carol, as you make your way. When Jesus was getting ready to be circumcised, the prophet Simeon blessed him. But he said to Mary, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. A sign will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul, and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. What he was saying is there's going to be a lot of pain. There's going to be some bad days. But he also was saying, but God's son was called for a task. It was kind of a blessing and a cursing all into itself. Yes, he's going to break your hearts. Yes, he's going to die. Yes, but he's going to also reveal the hearts of men. He's going to let people know what they really are. Titus 2 says this, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that we might be redeemed from every lawless deed, purified for himself, a special people, zealous for good works. Titus 2, 11 through 14. God gave his life for all man, even those that have turned their back on him. Jesus laid down his life as a ransom for many the book of Romans tells us all have sinned and fallen short and the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life but it also tells us there's no more condemnation to them that know Jesus Christ Romans 8 says it like this who shall separate us from the love of God shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine nakedness, peril or sword as it is written For your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep led for a slaughter. Yet in all these things we were made more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And no matter what you've done, you can't make God stop loving you cannot do it can you disappoint God yes can you break God's heart yes can you make God turn his back on you and not love you no even if you turn your back on God God's still longing for you like that prodigal son. He's the father of that story. He's still every morning looking out the door frame of the front door hoping you're coming down the dusty road. So he can open up the door and say, kill the fatted calf. Grab a royal royal robe. Grab my ring. Grab my sandals. Go put it on him. For my son which is lost has now been found. God is still wanting you to come home. You can't make him stop loving you. So I want to leave you with this before we pray. Now I told you this morning this earlier in this message about being in church as a kid. Many a many a service. In my childhood. You know when the most of the people got the baptism of the Holy Spirit was not Sunday morning. It was on Sunday night. Or a midweek revival. But it was on a night, not Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm not trying to equate that you only get saved or sanctified or spirit-filled only if you come to church on Sunday night. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think God honors it when we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. See, Sunday morning, most people will be glad to do that because it's like checking off religious checkboxes. Ooh, 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 ooh. You know, I feel good about myself. I went to church. You know, I'm a good. I got some in my own family. They'll go to church on Sunday morning. They'll tell you, they'll tell you, oh, I'm faithful to my church. They're just go. I wouldn't put their spirituality. I wouldn't put them saved if I had every dime in my bank account and I had to bet on it I would bet against somebody else for them they and my own family because I don't like to lose and I'm pretty sure they'll lose <laughs> but the reality of it is Sunday nights are hard it's hard when you go home after church especially if you go out to eat or even if you cook by the time you get the kitchen clean, people settle. It is 2.33 o'clock, trying to get settled down. About that time when you think, well, I got about an hour and a half, maybe two at best. Brother James, and you finally sit down in that royal chair that's fit for a king. Very plush, beautiful chair. It's like your body just... The rest of the week, it's just kind of like, yeah, but somehow on Sunday, it's like that bed is like have angel's wings. I mean, that chair has angel's wings. On Saturday, it hurts your back. On Sunday, angels hold that chair. It's the same chair, but it's a miracle how Sunday, all of a sudden, all of heaven's holding your recliner. And you're sitting, you know, you'd be like some people, oh, Pastor, I'm just meditating on the Lord. You lie, you're sleeping. That's what you're doing. Don't you lie, you're sleeping. No meditation you might have started out oh God it's good that's about as far as you got I was just meditating it like envelops you that annoying alarm goes off at 4.30 or 5 o'clock you're trying to hit snooze faster than you can even get to it it's a lot of effort sometimes to get up out of those angel wings put it down go brush your teeth again like my wife go curl your hair four more times before we leave in the house because one strand got messed up so we got to curl the whole hair because the one strand will look different than the other ones so we curl all of it again just yesterday, we were going somewhere, hadn't been anywhere except in the car. She said, are we going by the house before we go to my grandfather's birthday party? I said, I can. Why? Well, said, oh, I just need to grab something. I was like, oh, okay. So we stopped by the house. I thought we were like grabbing his birthday gift, birthday cake. I didn't know what we grabbed. You know what we stopped by the house for, made a 15-minute detour for? Because one strand of her hair needed recurled. That's what we detoured for. Yeah. Yeah. I said, we stopped for this? Yeah, I wanted to look nice. I was like, for who? I'm already married to you. Nobody else needs to think you're pretty. What's wrong with you? Like, I don't need that. I don't need you ex- to extra attention. Let him go find somebody else to think pretty today. But the reality of it is, you get up, you curl the hair again, put the clothes on. You got to get back in the car. It's a, sometimes it's an effort to get to Sunday night church. But I remember as a kid, sometimes more often than not, God honored it because somebody made an effort to come back to his house he showed up and he gave us supernatural visitations he gave us supernatural miracles he gave us supernatural outpourings of his Holy Spirit we saw see people get saved sometimes I can't tell you how many times in my lifetime that Sunday night was so good the pastor would call revival he'd call the church into revival that night and say tomorrow night we'll be back at 7 o'clock to do this all over again because it's going to be an effort but because God showed up that night and I believe with all my heart I was talking to somebody this week, I thought about it for a while, just canceling Sunday night. I was like, look, I am heating and cooling this building all the time for a bunch of people who have time not to come back. We'll have 60 on Sunday morning, have 15 or 20 on Sunday night. I mean, I'm heating and cooling a building this big. I talked to the praise team not too long ago about it. I said, guys, I'm telling you, it's getting to the point now, if there's more y'all than there are people in the pews, we're going to do something different. And then I thought about that thing. It doesn't matter if there's 30 people in this building, if there's 10 people in this building. If anybody is willing to come and uplift the name of Jesus Christ with me, by golly, we're going to experience him if nobody else does. We'll have time in the Holy Ghost. Ten of us, we can be like that upper room. We can have ten or twelve of us in here, and we can have the Holy Spirit fall in here, and the rest of them just miss out. We'll have church whether they show up or not. If the Holy Ghost shows up, we'll have church. And my Bible says if two or three as agree is touching any one thing, he's in the midst. So I'm like that old Babby Mason song. If the Holy Ghost shows up, we'll have church. And my Bible says he'll show up. So we're going to have church. We'll keep having it because I know he's coming because if two of you come with me and Brandon is coming with me, so there's two. I just need one more of y'all to come with me. Typically, Miss Carol comes because i got to have somebody play like right now. So we're going to have church with or without you. Because I believe that we are, we are trying the devil is trying and the world is complying and somewhere in some respects the church is complying we're getting a whole lot less of god than we are getting more of god in this world we, got we work a 40-hour work week and we go to 12 different tournament games and we go 12 different activities and go to birthday parties and slumber parties and this party and that party. and That's great. God to be the glory. But I'm telling you, we need to have a little bit more time with God than less time with God. So we might need to let go of some other things so we can spend some more time with the Lord. That's my, that's my speech for the day. Let's stand all over the house. I'm tired and hungry unless the Holy Ghost shows up I'm, 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 I'm beat <laughs> I'm sweating I'm going to have to take a bath I didn't plan on it but I want you to understand something I, I'm passionate about this because I believe that there is a generation of young people teenagers young adults middle aged people especially young adults teenagers and even kids I thought about it today when I was riding home I Brianna had rode home with her mom her mom had 25% Kohl's cash, so they decided to go shopping while I went to work and saw Sister Laura May. Something did not add up. I go to check on the sick, and people are buying clothes, but I don't get them. I paid for them, but I didn't get any of them. <laughs> anyway, I was riding back from Sister Laura May's and I saw a 93, it was it 93, am I right? 94, 93, 93. Your old lady laying on a bed, we're having to talk about DNR paperwork. We're having to talk about surgeries. We're having to talk about all things you don't really want to talk about, but you have to. I got my car and I started. I got on exit 205, headed back towards Somerville on I-26. Sister, alma my mind went back to about 12:20 this morning, 12:30 this morning, in that back property, when our kids said they loved Jesus and they wanted to get in a baptismal a portable baptism pool be baptized to make a professional public statement of faith and I thought you know if people like Laura May Skipper die tonight nothing against little Brantley nothing against him I'm just using him as an example but who's the next Laura May Skipper to show him Jesus because I can tell you when I was a kid Laura May Skipper she knew Jesus she's one of those people You, she'd shout at the drop of a hat and if she had the hat she'd drop it just to shout that's how, that's how she loved Jesus. She, lo- she loved God, still loves God. She, she lived it in front of her kids. Even in her husband's latter part of his life before the Lord May's husband passed away, she even helped him see the light and become the saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ was. Has daughters that have even wandered from the faith but even on their what looked like deathbed give their heart to Jesus Christ in a downtown Roper or St. Francis whatever hospital before surgery gave their heart to Jesus right there on the gurney before surgery because of the instillment that she's made in their lives she's in the hospital right now obviously but I remember in services with Sister Laura may Bobby pins be flying all over the room I was one of the kids underneath trying to count how many came out one it was like a game. Who could collect them more before the vacuum cleaner found them? And whoever got the most got candy. <laughs> it was a game. Now you can't even find, you can't find one bobby pin, most of the whole floor of them. But the reality of it is we, 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 I saw that I went to church in those moments and saw those things. When's the last time Madison, Riley, Mason, Storm, Colton, Mackenzie, Brantley, Jeannie's two grandchildren, two granddaughters, Layla, Abby, even Hadley, soon to be Carmen and Tyler's little boy, the two uh, sister, Brother Primo and sister uh, Nell's grandchild, Micah, when's the last time they seen that? When's the last time they saw God move like that? Oh, I know I could ask most of you in this room. How many of you have seen that? by Everybody, probably, if not all, most of you say, Oh, I've been in service like that. Praise God. But you're going to die one day. Some of y'all are older, seasoned saints. You are on the other side of heaven. You on that mountaintop looking across the valley at the Jordan River. You ain't crossing. You got one more river to cross and mountain to climb. But you can see the promised land coming up real close. And then what? Am I going to have a generation of ten people like those people and say, we can't take the promised land, preacher. We we can't do that. I'm going to have a a generation of, no offense, spiritually ignorant people because they don't know a different way. Because all my bible-believing spirit-filled people have gone on and nobody on this generation ever saw it happen the book of judges was one generation away
0: it one generation skipped and it said and then there rose up a generation who knew not the lord nor his mighty acts it only took one generation to eradicate the whole thing and we're
2: there we're there I don't want Madison or McKenzie or Riley or Colton or, or Brantley or, or any of these, Storm or any, Mason, All this. I don't want them to one day sit in these same pews at your age and never see Jesus move like some of you have seen Him move. They need to experience God like you experienced God. But it's hard for them to do it if we don't give them avenues to see it. I'm not talking about just physically being in church. I'm talking about even on Sunday morning, even if that's the only time I get them, who cares who's visiting? Let's have church. Who cares what the person besides me thinks? Let's just have church. And if they don't come back, then let them go down the road. But we're going to have church no matter what they think about us. Because they got to see it. They got to see it. Here's the bottom line. There will come a day. The Bible says there will be a great falling away. Some of y'all sitting in this pew, and I'm going to pray. Some of y'all sitting in this pew have people that used to go to church with you in this house. That you still know. Still talk to, still are family connections to, or even might still be your family. And they're not here. Hadn't been here for a while. You know why? Because something created a disconnect between them and God. Some of them used to play drums. Some of them used to sing on praise teams. Some of them used to teach children's churches and nurseries and youth. Some of them used to be involved. Now we don't even know if they're saved, much less involved. There will be a great following away, but I don't want it to be your children and grandchildren that are here right now. I don't want them to be the next ones. I have to say, well, they used to come to church. You know what's going to keep them in church? The cloud by day and the fire by night because the fire will keep you. Going. That's why the prophet Jeremiah could say it like this. I wasn't even going to say his name. I didn't even want to say who it was. But his fire was like an all-consuming fire. Shut up in my bones and I couldn't contain it. He said, I wasn't even going to mention it. But I couldn't help myself. I had to tell it anyway. I need these young people and young adults and other people that come to our church. Even if they don't want to admit it, they're going to have to say, but I can't help myself. i got to go back to church. I can't help myself. i got to get more of God. Because they can't contain Him in their mortal body. If we don't get revival soon, not just here, universally speaking, if we don't get it soon, the church is going to be in trouble even more than it is right now you can say oh pastor you're just that doom and gloom you're just looking at all the negative Nancy's in the world I'm telling you there's gonna be a two-thirds that fall away and there's only gonna be a third the Bible said gonna be left we need to make sure that we're in that third and not be falling away because there is still a people God wants to revive and use for a great outpouring. I still believe Joel 2:28 still has to happen. Sons and daughters prophesy. And old men see visions. Young men journey. I still believe there is a season. Where God's going to show himself mightily. Before he returns. And why can't it be with us? Why can't we start it? Why can't we be a part of it? Because I believe we can be. Heavenly Father to the very best of my ability. I have preached your word today to your people. I've given everything I have. Lord it's not my words that I have tried to speak today but it's your presence and your words God I humbly pray that Lord I didn't somehow deface or downplay Father maybe even compromise this word Father I pray that you have allowed me to Communicate this gospel message to the best possible way. Father, I'm hoping and praying that even if there were some moments that maybe that I didn't clearly communicate it the way that I may have wanted to, that the message still got out to your people and they heard from heaven, not from me. Let this word today, this morning and tonight, be like a great marinade on food. Let it just sit soak up in our lives and marinate and saturate us from the core from the inside out to where Lord we can just feast on the bread of heaven God this week I pray that we'll have opportunities that will remind us of this word and make uh, known that thus saith the word of the Lord is alive inside of us God I'm asking that you bring us back to the next appointed time safely whether it be Wednesday night or next Sunday Father, my prayer for this body of believers, both in-house, online, those that are not here or those that may watch later, you bless them and keep them and your face shine upon them. You be gracious to them, lift up your countenance and give them the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard their hearts until you come and let the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And God, this entire day, we lay back at your feet, commit to your care, and we say, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly and do what only you can do in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said, amen. Before I have Brother Causey, pray our benedictory prayer. Remember, Wednesday night, Fellowship Hall, 7 p.m., Fellowship Hall, back wing, back here for Bible study with Brother and Sister Causey. Uh, pray for me this week at youth camp that I survive youth camp and come back still with some sense of normalcy uh, but pray for that this week for youth camps the last week of it pray for the last week of youth camp I continue to pray for Sister Laura May whose surgery is coming up pray for Bonnie and Brother Chambers and all the requests we brought to your attention today uh, we are uh, believing God's able to still do miracles we've seen it happen and we know he can so we're going to believe that and if you're not able to make it on Wednesday night, please, uh, if all possible, we'll be back next Sunday morning and night as we'll continue. Next Sunday morning we'll uh, be preaching, and but then next Sunday night we'll finish this last part of uh, what it means to have true revival. We first remove the rebellious, and then we have to realize that there'll be a redemption of the revolted. And next week we'll talk about the righteous, what the righteous people of God, their responsibility is, and then what it's going to be like in the end. So you don't want to miss that. I love you. Constantly praying for you. I'll be thinking about you this week and uh, praying that you have a great week of services. Brother Causey, will you dismiss us in prayer tonight?